Girl Camper is sponsored by Progressive Insurance. Get an RV policy quote by calling 1-800-PROGRESSIVE or going to progressive.com backslash RV. And go Little Guy Worldwide, whose full line of lightweight camping trailers are Girl Camper favorites. Hello, my name is Janine Pettit, and I'm a girl camper. I go places and I do things in my little 1966 Go Tag Along vintage travel trailer. Along the way, I meet many interesting people traveling the back roads, and I want to share their stories with you. We will talk about the qualities of what makes a girl camper and how you can become a girl camper too. The girl campers are having a party, and you're invited. Stay tuned while I share what's happening on the back roads of America the Beautiful. Welcome, I'm Janine Pettit, Girl Camping Ambassador, Blogger, Adventurist, and Podcaster. And this is episode number 50 of Girl Camper, the Podcast. Well, my guest today is Erica Baum of HealthyDiningFinder.com. I first learned about this website at the Blog Her conference in California last summer. Immediately, I began thinking about my heavy travel season approaching, and I began looking into it when I realized this is not just for travelers. It's for anyone who wants to make the best food choices, whether they're at home or on the road. Everyone has something to gain from the many helpful features in this great website. Stay tuned to find out how you can choose the healthiest dietitian recommended menu options from your favorite restaurants or just how to eat better at home. We'll be back in a minute. Camper News Roundup is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Stay protected with emergency expense, which is automatically included with your RV comp and collision. Progressive will pay temporary expenses, transportation, and towing if your RV is damaged more than 50 miles from your home. Call 1-800-PROGRESSIVE or visit progressive.com backslash RV today. Well, there's only one thing to talk about in the news roundup today, and that's the Hershey RV show. (laughs) So because of the breakdown of my tow vehicle, I was able to come to the Hershey RV show, which I hadn't planned on going to. So I only had one very hectic day, and it went by so quickly, and it was 92 degrees and beating sun out there. (laughs) 
we really got beat up by the sun. But we saw some great trailers, but I'm not going to talk about them right now because the only thing I really want to talk about is what everybody is waiting to hear about, and that is the debut of the Scotty trailer by the Go Little Guy Company. So Go Little Guy was there, the sponsor of my show, and they were at Beckley's booth there at the RV show, and they had the tabs and tags on display, but they had the brand new Scotty trailers that everybody has been waiting to see. So it was highly anticipated, and it made its debut, and it was a big surprise to many that it was not the vintage trailer that everybody was expecting. Everybody was thinking that they were going to see that Scotty Highlander all rebuilt, shiny and new again, and that's not what happened. So they instead designed and marketed an entry-level trailer for the first-time RV buyer. So I want to go back a minute and talk about the Scotty brand itself. So when Scotty was... Um, built many years ago when it was founded by John Ciro. And John Ciro's grandson, Gary Prichel, is very involved with Little Guy in bringing these brands in, tra in the trailer back. So when it was designed many, many years ago, it was really known as the working man's trailer. John Ciro felt very strongly that anybody should be able to buy a trailer and take their family across the country and, and be able to engage in the kind of vacations and his vision was to build this every man's trailer so that's what um, little guy did they designed and developed a trailer for families and it's a trailer with bunk beds and it has a fold down dinette and it has a queen bed up front they have several different floor plans it has a great uh, full bathroom with a vanity and tub and a uh, separate commode and it's not a wet bath and a nice little kitchen, an adequate kitchen, but some nice floor space in there. But it wasn't what everybody was expecting. And there was a big collective disappointment. <laughs> so I had an opportunity to sit down and talk to Chris Baum, who is now the chief branding officer for the new and improved Little Guy Company. And I asked him why they chose to bring this trailer out instead of the classic Highlander everybody was looking for. And he just said, you know, Janine, we just... We're developing this Everyman trailer first. We wanted to really stick to that vision, and they felt strongly about putting out this affordable product as the first wave. So they consider this the first wave of the Scotty trailer comeback. And, you know, I have to say, let's be honest about this. The affordable trailer that they put out there hits many targets for many families. There is a market for that trailer. I know that the vintage trailer enthusiasts are very disappointed right now, but that's a good little trailer and there is a market for it. Now, when they go out though and they manufacture that vintage trailer, it's not going to have that price point. The components for a vintage trailer or even a reproduction vintage trailer are much more costly. And some of them are going to have to be specifically manufactured as opposed to all the components that go on a trailer now, which are just pre-built by manufacturers and ordered by the manufacturers, different, the trailer manufacturers. So there's, if you're at any RV show and you look, there's the same 
refrigerator, the same stove, the same fan, and every single trailer. They look like the same windows to me in every single trailer. So these are components that can be easily ordered. So I think what they did is they just went out and they said, let's get something out there that we know we want to be in this market as well. And they built something different than what everyone was expecting. So the many manufacturers that are out there today are basically building this trailer and they built that trailer with the Scotty name and they put some elements in it that are not the usual designs in trailers. It's not all that brown interior. It's very light and cheerful inside. That's the vinyl covered cushions. So there were Scotty elements to it which made it a little more appealing than the usual brown trailers that we see at every show, but it was a big disappointment to many people. But I have to say that several years ago, when Forest River reproduced the 61 Shasta, there were many components in that trailer that had to be manufactured for authenticity. The windows, I remember, were one of them. I remember watching a video and having the uh, chief officer of that company at that time talk about how they could not find any manufacturers for those windows and they had to get a manufacturer, give him the old windows and get someone to tool up and build those things. So turning out the reproduction Scotty is not going to be a simple thing. So there was a collective let down among those waiting with bated breath for that iconic Camtan. And little guy knows that. They know it. They had an idea that there was going to be a letdown, and they want to let everybody know now that it is wave one. I did have an opportunity to speak with Dylan DeHoff. Dylan is the vice president of operations there, and I spoke to him about what consumers might expect from the reproduced version. So when we were sitting in the new one, I was asking him, and he was asking me quite a few questions too about what the girl campers want in them. And you know what? The answer is, I was asking him about the reproduced version and when it's coming out and what we can expect to see inside of it. And honestly, they don't have that answer yet. They don't know yet. There is no completed design that's ready to go, and there's no prototype built of this trailer yet, although they're telling us that it's going to be out in January or February of 2017. So you know that I, I had to give him the girl camper perspective, which I think is also the tin can tourist and the vintage trailer enthusiast perspective and the small trailer enthusiast perspective. And that is, if they go out and build a trailer that looks like a classic canned ham on the outside, let's just say they build that Scotty and it has the aluminum skin and it has the aqua and white color scheme going and it has the baby moons and the white wall tires. But then you walk inside that trailer and you find a trailer that's full of modern cabinetry and you know, faux cultured marble countertops and the same old refrigerator, a Dometic refrigerator that's in every single camper that you see everywhere. I really believe that that is going to not appeal to any demographic. It's certainly not going to be what girl campers look for in a vintage trailer. And I, I just told him this. My whole theory on the girl campers with vintage trailers is that it's an aura of the era. They collect things 
and they collect things that their grandmothers had and things that they grew up with and those things that they use and display. And they want to use and display them on a Formica countertop with metal banding going across it. They don't want a version of a vintage trailer. They want what looks like a vintage trailer and when you're standing in it, you absolutely cannot tell if this trailer is a reproduced or restored 1966 or if it's a brand new one. That's girl campers though. That's not everybody and it's not also every single girl camper. I'm here at the Country Living Fair and there's a 61 Shasta reproduction trailer there and many people are very shocked to find out that it's brand new. So when I was at Go Girl Go in West Virginia a few months ago, one of the girl campers had a Scotty that was part of the reproduction in 2010 because they did put these out a few years ago. They didn't put a whole lot of them out, but there was a sister on the fly there who happens to be an RV dealership owner as well. Someone traded one in and she thought it would be fun to bring it down to Go Girl Go. So I saw the thing pull in and from a distance, all I saw is a Scotty. You recognize it as a Scotty Highlander and it was aqua and white. And of course, I ran over there when she parked it to go inside it and see. But as I was approaching it, I smelled a rat <laughs> because I saw these rubber gaskets going around the windows. And I thought, well, that's not a vintage trailer. And when I got up to it and I could see that it was a reproduced one just from the outside from some of these components. Well, I still was excited about it because I didn't care so much about the rubber gaskets around the window. I was just dying to get inside that trailer. And I got to tell you, the disappointment was so severe. <laughs> it looked like a Scotty on the outside, but when you got inside, it was just very modern cabinets. Well, not even modern. The cabinets were like 1980s raised panel, like your mother's kitchen in the 1980s raised panel. Just box lot looking hardware on the doorknobs and the handles and the things. Like a faux, it was a green, like cultured faux marble countertop on the thing. More like a teal color, actually. And the flooring blew me away, too, because it was just a vinyl floor that looked like a fake hardwood floor, which, of course, never would have existed in a trailer in that era. So whoever reproduced them didn't make much of an effort at all to make the interior go to the outer. Uh, match the exterior. So it was very disappointing when we got in there. So so Chris Baum, who is now the chief branding officer for Go Little Guy, has told me that they plan to do an authentic version, matching those details the best they can, but they will also do the classic Scotty exterior with a more modern design inside. So I think this version will not be what true vintage trailer enthusiasts will want, but I think there is going to be a nice market for that trailer. So when they build that Scotty, if it has the modern touches inside, I think it's going to appeal to many people. It's going to appeal to those who want something different than all the usual fare that's at the RV shows now. So you take that classic exterior and you go inside and I and I hope they do something really modern as opposed to something that just looks like leftover 1980s. 
The purist isn't going to want that, but there are going to be people who just like that mix of new and old, the, the modern mix. Eddie Ross just put out that book, Modern Mix. When you can mix those old and new together, you can do a great boho design going in some of those. So if you're not a purist, there's going to be a market for that for you. And it's not going to be brown with those swatches of color in the upholstered, um, fabric going around the windows with the mini blinds. So if they get that down, even though it's not going to be the other version that they hope to build, which is a true reproduction, I still think there's going to be a great market for that. Those who just want a small trailer and those who are looking for better storage in small trailers, because at the show, I have to tell you, I saw lots of small trailers with very little storage in them. And I stood in one and I said, where are people supposed to put their clothes? There was literally not a closet in it. There was storage. You have to get your own baskets and put something under the bed. So if they pull that off with some nice storage and the modern touches, I think there's going to be a great market for it. So I'm looking forward to see what's going to happen in the next few months. And we're all going to be on pins and needles waiting to see what wave two from Go Little Guy, the new Go Little Guy brings us. But I promise to try to get you some sneak previews. <laughs> so that is my um, news roundup for today. I'm not going to go on to all the other news, but I'm going to talk in Campfire Chat today about what is going on at the Country Living Fair and our Camper College. We'll be back in a few minutes. is brought to you by Go Little Guy Worldwide. They're a proud sponsor of the Girl Camper Podcast and Little Guy Trailers are in the business of getting you into the great outdoors. They make camping easier and most of all more fun. Their trailers are all lightweight and easy to tow behind most vehicles. Plus, they offer the security and safety we girl campers want. You can visit them at littleguy.com or you can come by and say hello to us at our next Camper College, which is going to be taking place at Southland RV, which is in Norcross, Georgia. That is going to take place on Friday, October 21st. And I want to tell everybody, it's not for girls only. So if you're a man listening to the show, feel free to come to Camper College. One of our podcast listeners wrote to me, who's a man, and said, is it possible for me to come to Camper College too? And I've said, all on board. Everybody come. It's going to be so much fun. So we had Camper College at Haydesee Airstream last Friday night. We had 25 people come out to the event. Bruce at Haydesee gave us a great talk. He did it a little different because every dealership is a little different. Bruce asked first what everybody wanted to learn about, and so a lot of questions were answered up front, and then he went through that whole tab trailer. It must have been 45 minutes, pointing things out, giving people directions on how things work, answering questions, giving all the details on the construction and operation of those tab trailers. And then when we're just thinking Bruce is going to just 
croak because we've been there so long. He took all those girls outside and showed them how to hook it up. It was literally dark out with the moon shining over them. and But he still, he's like the Energizer Bunny. He just kept going. And they fed us like champs over there at Haydesy with a delicious pulled pork dinner. So thank you, friends at Haydesy. You You never let us down, and we enjoyed that so much. Now, I want to talk about, on our campfire chat today, I, I just want to talk about some of the people. So whenever I'm on one of these traveling things, I'm meeting a lot of people all the time, but I'm also seeing a lot of old friends. So I want to talk about old friends and new friends. And the first new friend I want to tell you about, I want to give a little shout out to our new girl camper, Nisha. So I had the pleasure of meeting the lovely Nisha at the Beckley RV's booth at the Hershey RV show. We did a camper college at Beckley's a couple of weeks ago, and they were hosting the um, Little Guy Company for their new unveiling of the Scotty. So I had left the booth, and then Chris Baum called me and said, could you come back? I want you to meet someone. And it was Nisha, and she was sitting in the little red and white tab that she just purchased and she was very emotional and Chris usually handles these emotional women pretty well <laughs> and but he just wanted me to come back and talk to her about the girl campers because Nisha is going through some transitions in her life and she wanted to do something that could help her move forward and she bought a tab she had heard about girl camping and so Luckily for me, Nisha only lives about 45 minutes away from me. She lives in eastern Pennsylvania, and I live in western New Jersey. So I was able to arrange for Nisha to come on a camp out with us New Jersey girls in two weeks when I get back home. I'm, we're camping locally, 10 miles from home. And so Nisha's going to come with us. And Nisha, I want to tell you something. I understand how emotional you were that day because it's frightening and exciting at the same time time, but you've got this and we've got you. And that's the whole point of the girl campers. It's independence through interdependence. So one of the things that made me so happy when we were at the camper college is to see Gina and Dawn and Sally and all the girls, Gail, these are women who didn't know each other, women who all lived in the Columbus, Ohio area, but didn't know each other until they came together for Go Girl Go in West Virginia. And here they all were. They're shopping together. They're going to country living fair. They're talking trailers. They're camping together. They formed their own little group here in Columbus, and they were having so much fun. And Nisha, you're going to find that too. You're going to get to that place where you're making these changes in your life, and you're going to have new friends to do it with. And I got to tell you something. You got a great dealership behind you too, because Beckley's is one of the top ones I've ever been at. I was so impressed with their operation. So you've got a great dealership. You've got girlfriends behind you, and you've got a great product. You've got a great tab, and you're going to be okay, and we're going to have so much fun with you. So, Nisha, welcome aboard to the Girl Campers. The other person I want to talk about is really an update because a couple of months ago, maybe in June or so, I think I remember telling you about Patty. I met Patty at Camper College at Haydesy Airstream in June, and 
Patty had driven very far to be able to come to see the trailers and wait for me to get there. And I didn't set a time. I just said I was going to be at Hay to See and sometime Saturday. And poor Patty came down at like 9 a.m. and I didn't get there till noon. And God bless you, Patty, because you waited all that time for me. But Patty, when I met her in June, had lost her husband only eight weeks earlier. And she just knew. She knew like Ginny McKinney. If you read the blog for, about Ginny McKinney on the Go RVing, Left Turns in Lemonade, Ginny lost her husband and she knew, I've got to put something in front of me that's going to make me happy and help me to move forward if I'm going to survive this. And poor Patty was only eight weeks into it, but she knew that too. She instinctively knew. And she went ahead, she went out on a limb, and she bought that tab trailer. She bought a little blue and white tab trailer, and I promised I would help her meet women but I'm so busy that I made that promise. I called her one time and I set her up with a couple of people and she came by the Country Living Fair to see me yesterday and she has been all over this summer. She's been out three or four or five times in her little tab trailer and she is loving it. Patty's the one I told you about a couple of weeks ago on the show. She does night fishing. She goes out by herself at night and her kids get worried about her, but... She is a fiercely independent woman and determined to survive with happiness. And I was so happy to see you, Patty. I'm so happy to see that you're out there using your tab and you're healing and you're moving forward. And it doesn't take your grief away. I know that, honey. But I'm so happy to see that you're not sitting at home, that you're moving out and doing things. And I hope that you will change your mind and be able to come and stay with us when we camp in Ohio next weekend at our What A Hoot event. So, Patty, congratulations. I was so happy to see you doing so well. The third person I want to tell you about this week is an Instagram follower whose name is Melissa. So Melissa won the four tickets to the Country Living Fair, the early bird tickets, and she and her mom and her aunt came to the show, and she stopped by to see me, and she brought me a present. <laughs> I got to tell you, we laugh about this in the Girl Campers because we always buy each other presents because <laughs> women are like that. You know, we just out and we see this, oh, Carol, this would go in Carol's trailer and we buy it. Well, Melissa came by to say thank you for the tickets and she gave me a gift, but she wouldn't stay there while I opened it. She ran away. So I opened it and it was so lovely. I follow Melissa as well on Instagram and she is a quilter extraordinaire and she made me a beautiful zippered bag, but the most fun part about the zippered bag is it had vintage trucks going across the front, but she embroidered on the bag 165,000 happy miles. I hope I don't start crying again. So if you listen to the show, you know that last week when I was trying to tell about driving up to the dealership, seeing my Ford in the back of the dealership and pulling up with the rent-a-car to unload all my junk out of it, I got so upset when I saw my truck sitting there and I knew I was, <laughs> I'm doing it again. I knew that I was going to have to leave my truck that I just sat in my car and cried. And when I was trying to share that last week on the show, I kept getting choked up. And after two or three times, I just decided, well, you know what? I'm just going to have to 
choke up because that's life. That's how it works, right? So she she felt so bad for me. And I said, I I drove 165,000 happy miles in that truck. And she embroidered that on this beautiful little um, bag with zippers, with a zipper on the top. And then she filled the bag with little things for my trailer, a little sewing kit and little things that I might need in the trailer. So what a treasure that was, Melissa, and how sweet you were to think of me. And that just touched my heart. And it's part of what girl camping is all about. It's so much more than campfires and trailers. It's about all the special people you meet. And and in this crazy world where everybody is so rushed and busy that you went to that trouble for me, it just touched me. And I just thank you so much. I can't get going again. So the last person I want to tell you about is Larry. So I met Larry at the Hershey RV show, and I was actually on my way back to talk to Nisha when somebody was yelling to me, Janine, Janine, and I turned around. Larry somehow had bumped into friends of mine and was asking if they knew where the girl camper was. And um, he had come to the RV show. He actually lives in Virginia and was visiting someone in D.C. and decided he was close enough to that show that he would go to it. Well, Larry is a podcast listener, too, who was very upset when he heard me upset about my car. Not upset, but he could relate to how upset I was about my truck. And he told me a truck story of his that I want to share with you. So Larry had purchased a truck and he took his son to every state in the nation, including um, Alaska in that truck. And together they put 350,000 miles on that truck, father and son. And they have gone to 22 baseball stadiums in the country to see games. And when that truck broke down and it could not be repaired one more time, he said he was sick over it. And I can absolutely imagine. So he actually sought me out at the Hershey RV show to tell me how sorry he was about my truck. <laughs> and I know I said last week, it's a first world problem and it's only a truck. And even my husband said to me, my God, I didn't think you were that attached to the truck. But I was. I and, and you don't know how attached until it's gone, until you have to drive away from it, you know. So anyway, Larry and Melissa and Patty and Nisha, it was wonderful connecting with you this week. And it's part of one of the most fun things about my job. And so I wish you all the very best. Nisha, we're going to be camping together soon, and I can't wait. And I hope, Patty, you'll come out and camp um, at What a Hoot with us. So I'll be back in a minute with our featured topic, Erica Baum from HealthyDiningFinder.com. Welcome. Today I have as a special guest, Erica Bohm. Erica is the Vice President and Director of Strategic Partnerships for HealthyDiningFinder.com. Welcome, Erica. 
Well, thank you so much, Janine. Really great to be here. I was so excited when I met one of your partners at the blog, Her Convention, and we began talking about what it is she did, and she began telling me about this Healthy Dining Finder website, and I had to go on and take a look on it, and once I did, I thought there were so many good resources on here that I really wanted to have someone from your organization on the show, because for me... The girl camper thing is not just about being able to safely tow a vehicle. It's about taking charge of so many aspects of our lives as women. And I think often as women, we do so much for other people and we're the last ones we take care of ourselves. And I know I'm guilty of that as well. So when I went on and I looked at your website, I thought there's so many resources here. And as women, I think we have to make a choice to care for ourselves. And I wanted you to come on and share about this website, Erica, and how this all got started. Can you tell us the history of Healthy Dining Finder? Absolutely. Um, Really, the company started with the name Healthy Dining, and actually that's, that's truly the company name still today, although our website is HealthyDiningFinder.com. But uh, Healthy Dining began about 25 years ago here in the San Diego, California area with the recognition that in those years, I mean, we're talking the early 90s, people really started eating out with a lot more frequency. It, It probably even happened the prior decade. You know, if you think back to your days as a child or even a teenager, if your family was anything like mine, you know, in the 50s and the 60s, people didn't eat out that often. It was really just for special occasions. Right. And so Mm -hmm. if, yeah, so if, if that special occasion meal was sort of a an, an indulgence, so what? You only did it once a month. Right. We never did it in our family unless it was your birthday. Yeah. Exactly. And so it didn't matter if that was sort of a splurge meal. But starting around the 70s, uh, Americans started eating out more and more. And actually, the average today is about five restaurant meals a week. And so, you know, it doesn't make sense to have five splurge meals a week. No, that would add up very quickly. Yeah. So back in the early 90s, uh, this company was founded uh, by two women um, who recognized, they really, you know, saw the future. They saw the handwriting on the wall and starting started an initiative here in the San Diego area uh, publishing a series of healthy dining guidebooks. And the first one was called Healthy Dining in San Diego. And on each page of the book, there was a listing of a different restaurant and that restaurant's healthiest four, five, or six menu items with the corresponding nutrition profile. So it would list the calories, fat, sodium, etc. And so what our, our small team did at that time was to really identify those healthiest choices on the menu and do the nutrition calculations. Uh, and the, the initiative 
for the next 15 years was local just in Southern California. We, as I mentioned, we started with a publication for San Diego and then expanded to Orange County, which is one county north of San Diego, and then into Los Angeles. And for 15 years, we rotated among these three different uh, counties, updating each edition of the book every couple of years with new restaurants, new menu items, etc., and how would you get the information? Would the restaurants voluntarily give you their recipes or um, calorie counts? Well, in most cases at that time, they didn't have the calorie counts, and so they would need to give us the recipes, and of course, we'd have to sign a non-disclosure agreement that, you know, we had no intention of releasing their confidential <laughs> recipes. Um, and then based on the recipes, we did the nutrition calculations. And who did that, those calculations? A, a dietitian? Uh, at that point, uh, the woman who founded the company, and she is still our, our leader today, and her background is in public health. Today, we employ a team of about 10 registered dietitians. Okay. Um, and we only have dietitians doing that, that work. But in the earlier years, it was just like two or three of us and the founder of the company, who, again, her background is in public health, she was doing those calculations. I see. Okay. Yeah. So 15 years after the, the program started and, and 19 publications into the effort, uh, we learned that the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, was looking for innovative solutions for addressing the nation's obesity levels. And we thought, you know what, we have an innovative solution for Southern California. We have a book that people can consult to find out which are the better for you choices at all kinds of restaurants. And we thought, you know, here we are now. It's it's uh, two, early 2000s, um, and now there is an Internet. There's a way that people all over the country can log on and, and access useful information. So the CDC provided some funding for us to convert our program in two ways. One was from books to online and the other was from regional, just Southern California, to nationwide. Okay. So, in, yeah. So in 2008, we launched HealthyDiningFinder.com, uh, and now that website is really a resource for people anywhere in the country to log on at no cost and put in your zip or a city and state, and then you can find... Um, a, a list of restaurants that our dietitians have vetted as having some better for you choices. Now, these are not necessarily quote unquote healthy restaurants. And in fact, we very much take issue with that characterization of healthy versus non healthy restaurants, but instead, our, our viewpoint is that the vast majority of restaurants have some healthier choices on the menu. So when you're traveling, and I find this too, um, 
sometimes you really don't have much of a choice about where you're going to eat. And so you have to tra- uh, make the best food choice you can for what's right in front of you. And I think your website could be very helpful for that. Absolutely. It, it really, it takes the guesswork out of ordering uh, because our dietitians have um, figured out which of a restaurant's choices are, are really the best. And, and maybe I can mm-hmm. tell you a little bit about uh, the nutrition criteria. When we say uh, a menu item is a good choice, what does that really mean, right? Oh, good. Tell, tell us that. How do you yeah. break that down? Well, the first thing we look for is does that menu item have lean proteins and or fruits or veggies and or whole grains? So we're looking for menu items that have at least two of those. Okay. And then in addition, we're looking for limits on calories, saturated fat, and sodium. Okay, so if they fall into that criteria, they might make the cut for a good food choice. Mm-hmm, exactly. And, of course, you know, everything is very individual, meaning that some people might have a stricter uh, amount of sodium or calories or saturated fat that they're trying to adhere to, but at least we've narrowed the focus quite a bit. Right. And, and we, yeah, and we've also... Um, modified the website in the last year or so to enable our visitors, our users, to uh, customize their search. So, in other words, they can go on to the site or go on to a specific restaurant's page and indicate that they're looking for something with fewer calories or less sodium or less saturated fat or fat or whatever. So there's a way to customize it for yourself further. Okay. And I know now that there are a lot of people who do a different eating style. There are so many people now who are gluten-free, and then there are people who are very low-carb, and then there are people who are very low-fat, but they don't particularly care about the calorie count as long as it's low-fat. So are you able to search your site in that way? Great question. For some of that, yes. Right now, not yet for gluten, um, although it is a direction we're probably going to be going in within the next year or so. Now, Erica, I know when you were talking about how this started in the beginning, and I remember these old days when I was losing my baby fat. My baby's 27 now, so it, I, I did the uh, old-fashioned Weight Watchers. You know, it just made simple sense. You got yeah. two carbs. You got, you know, you got a little from every food group. And um, when you were doing your analysis in the beginning, you were doing local restaurants who were giving you their recipes but now that you've gone nationwide, your restaurants are more of chain restaurants. That is absolutely true. That is, that is correct. Uh, you know, ideally and down the road, we'd certainly like to bring on more independent restaurants. Um, but the most efficient way really to build up the participating restaurants because it's a big country out there, right. is to reach out to the chains so that, you know, mm-hmm. Outback and Olive Garden and Chili's um, have 
hundreds and hundreds of locations so that no matter what zip code you bring up, you're going to find a healthy dining restaurant there. Now, those are some of the restaurants that are on your site. And I really loved that when we were speaking earlier because a lot of times if I'm traveling for work and I fly someplace and I take a cab from the airport to the hotel and maybe I'm going to be someplace four days and and never really leave the hotel or only be within walking distance to what's at that hotel, I don't have a lot of choices about what my food is going to be. So I frequently find myself eating at those chain restaurants that you mentioned. And I got very excited when I was looking at your site because now I can go on. Well, first of all, we can all go on the internet and find out before we get to any business trip or any family travel or whatever we're doing and see what's nearby. We're going to know ahead of time what our choices are. And I love the idea that I can use this site and plan my food ahead of time. It does make it very convenient and, as I said before, really takes the guesswork out of ordering. Um, but, you know, as you're saying, sometimes you you may not be in a position to choose a healthy dining restaurant uh, and who knows what's going to be available. So, you know, you also want to be equipped with uh, different tools and strategies so that you can make the best out of whatever menu you're being confronted with. Okay, so how can your website help us to do that? Well, we have a lot of, in addition to doing the the searches, as I was describing, the zip code, and then you can find restaurants uh, in that area, uh, we have a lot of articles and blogs, and uh, there's an Ask the Dietitian column. We have recipes. So there's a lot of other related content to help people with their living and dining healthfully goals. Mm-hmm. I saw that on your site there you have something called healthy weight loss. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, yeah, so tell us about that. Well, we have uh, different content buckets, and that's one of them. And so our dietitians write different articles and posts, uh, oftentimes because people write in and ask specific questions. So uh, you know, and we also have a weekly e newsletter. So those same Q&A and different articles and blogs, if somebody wants to sign up for the newsletter, they can get the information uh, weekly in their inbox. And I saw on your site that you also have something about healthy kids. And I think mm-hmm. that's so important now. Uh, my nephew was telling me a funny story camping over the weekend that he realized the kids could get in the snack drawer and they were eating five or six or seven of these little gummy bear snack things a day. And he went on the package and he read and he figured out how much sugar his kids were really taking in in a day and he dumped the drawer. (laughs) And it's empty now and they're in meltdown. They don't know what to do. But he is determined to help his kids make these healthy choices now and not fall into that sugar tooth pattern. So how does your healthy kid page work? Well, basically, um, so the organization for, the trade organization for restaurants is called the National Restaurant Association, which is abbreviated the NRA. Mm-hmm. It's what we call the other NRA. <laughs> the other one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so the National Restaurant Association 
approached Healthy Dining a few years ago and said, basically, your Healthy Dining site and resource is terrific for adults. We have an idea now about having a similar program that will highlight healthier kids' choices. So now on Healthy Dining Finder, for some of the restaurants, you can find a list of their healthier kids' choices. Okay. So you'll see the program is called Kids Live Well, and you'll see on some of the restaurants' pages there's an opportunity to toggle over to their healthier kids' choices. And then on the top navigation bar, there's also a button there that says Kids Live Well. And if you click on that, it'll, it'll show you all the participating Kids Live Well restaurants. Okay. So those are people, corporations, who have made a commitment to healthy living. Yes. Exactly. Can you tell me, Erica? Okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. I was going to ask you, how do you obtain your data from these restaurants? Do you approach them and ask them to voluntarily? Do they call you? How, How does the information become acquired? Well, in one of two ways. Um, sometimes restaurants don't already have that data, in which case our dietitians will do the calculations based on the recipes. We don't need the actual food, just the recipes. And there's a very complex process involved in really doing the nutrition calculations, what I like to call the right way, meaning with a lot of attention to detail and specificity so that if they're using, say, a specific brand of tortilla, we need to know what brand that is because brand X is going to have more or less, you know, sodium fat calories than brand Y. So we really need to work closely with the restaurant in obtaining all the specifics about their products, their ingredients to do the nutrition analysis. More and more these days, especially the larger restaurants, have a dietitian on staff themselves. So if they have their own nutrition analysis, then we will vet that analysis. We'll do an accuracy check to make sure all the numbers look more or less correct. I mean, there's no way to know absolutely, but Mm -hmm. we we look for red flags. Do you ever see any that are wildly off? (laughs) We do. We absolutely do. Because I got to tell you, Erica, I always wonder when I see these things, and a lot of times you're in a restaurant and it'll say in parentheses, sometimes it's written in green, like this is a healthy choice or it has a little leaf next to it and it'll say 450 calories. And I think, well, that's not bad at all. You know, if, if that's your whole meal and you're not having a cocktail, that that's a reasonable amount. Then that food comes to my plate and it's drowning in butter. And I'm thinking to myself, this can't be 450 yeah. calories. Yep. I mean, that's why before we put numbers up, again, our dietitians make sure that they don't see any red flags. Although accurate nutrition analysis is really just a portion of the issue. The other factor is how are the cooks preparing these menu items in their kitchens? So the recipe may call for a certain amount of oil or butter or whatever, but if the cook is using twice as much or whatever... Yeah, and if you ever had a job in college in a restaurant where you were in a kitchen, which is, that's how... 
I lived through college. I always had restaurant jobs. I was in many restaurant kitchens, and there's not a lot of measuring going on. Yeah. Well, restaurants understand these days that for a couple of different reasons, they're really striving for that accuracy. Uh, And I'll share with you those reasons if they're of interest. Yeah. Uh, One is that guests expect the same experience meaning the same food prepared in the same way when they go back subsequent times or when they go to different locations of the same restaurant. So restaurants really want to give that consistency. Right, that makes sense. And they also want to have that for food cost purposes. They want to know when they put this dish down in front of a guest, it costs them exactly so many dollars and so many cents. Uh, and then third, they don't want to be embarrassed. A few years ago, uh, some uh, news organizations took some restaurant menu items to a lab and paid for it to be chemically analyzed. Okay. And let's just say there was some finger pointing. There were some exposés of menu items that were not matching up with the uh, stated nutrition numbers. So for all of these reasons, restaurants are really striving more than ever to um, give numbers that accurately reflect the nutrition composition of the meal. Well, if I understand correctly, too, the restaurants that are on your website are voluntarily. You don't out restaurants. You correct. You are. Yep. You're not in the business of outing restaurants yep. that are uh, fudging their numbers. The restaurants you're working with, they pay you a fee to yeah. to get this information out. They want that healthy diner, and they want to be part of engaging in people's good health choices. So they're voluntarily in your organization. That is absolutely correct. And it may be interesting for your listeners to know also, uh, and Janine, we, we talked about this a little bit last week on our, our call, um, that starting May 5th of 2017, there's going to be a new law going into effect that will require restaurants with 20 or more locations within the U.S., to post calorie counts on the menu or menu board. In other words, wherever diners make their decision. Yeah. Now, I was surprised when you told me that last week because I thought that was already a, a rule. I know in all the fast food restaurants that you're required to post what it is. But if you're a smaller chain, you don't have to do that? No. And, and even those fast food restaurants don't have to do it now and most i mean when i've seen it they may have a brochure by the counter Mm -hmm. that's not going to be good enough anymore starting may of next year right there next to the menu name and price will be the calories oh that's interesting now i want to ask you about that erica about food legislation (laughs) do you follow all these food legislation bills that are going through uh, maybe not all of them, but right. I have a sense of some of the directions. So when they had in New York State tried to ban super sodas, what do you mm-hmm. think of that kind of legislation where we are like legislating people into making good food choices? Well, let me put it this way. I understand both sides of the issue. 
Um, and I don't think we have a really good solution right now, but from the point of view of um, public health interests, you know, Americans are experiencing a lot of obesity and overweight, and along with that comes increased risks of heart disease, cancer, diabetes, stroke, etc. So there's a, a big interest to trying to help the population be healthier. And then on the other side, I, I definitely understand that um, people don't want to feel like they're being dictated you know, right. what to eat. Yeah, or what like not Big Brother is over your shoulder at exactly. the McDonald's drive up exactly. saying, uh, Didn't you have that yesterday? Yeah. Yeah, not such, well, in New Jersey, a couple of years ago, I forgot who was governor, but they banned um, sunny side up eggs <laughs> because of, oh, really? of salmonella. And that lasted about yeah. two weeks and the public outrage huh. was crazy. Like if you hmm. personally want to take that risk and eat runny eggs, that's up to you. <laughs> but right, it's right. this whole idea, too, that um, we we can't really legislate people into making good food choices. Uh, the idea nope. is to present what is healthy and good and and ways of getting that information to people and you yeah. know just hope that they make the you know good choice for themselves yes and that's really that's the best uh, path really I think everybody agrees if you give people information you know then they're in a position to decide what to do mm-hmm. can you tell me what your healthy dining club is Oh, that's really just the fun name for people who sign up for our newsletter. Okay. So are are there any when you when you're a member of the Healthy Dining Club, does your website get out any coupons or anything for restaurants? Do you have incentives like that? Do restaurants uh um motivate people through your website like that to use them? Very infrequently. Mm-hmm. Once in a while, but not that often. Mm-hmm. What, what do you see coming up in the future, Erica? Um, what's what's going to be happening in food? You said we have coming up in May that they're going to be requiring restaurants with 20 or more locations to give all the calorie count. What else is on the horizon that we lay people don't know about? Yeah, well, let me also mention the, the other piece to that legislation. Okay. Not only will calories be on the menu, but every menu will have a, a note saying nutrition information available on request, and the restaurants will have to provide a separate brochure or binder or kiosk, whatever, with all the other nutrients, meaning the sodium, the fat, the saturated fat, the sugar, carbohydrates, etc. So calories on the menu and everything else available on request. Yeah, and that's really key because it's not always about just weight. It's about hypertension. I have a mm-hmm. girlfriend whose husband is string bean, but the guy is suffering from hypertension, and they don't have salt in anything. But it's very hard to eat out when you're watching your sodium, I think almost more than it is to eat out when you're watching your fat. I agree. Because I sodium's the agree. new flavor. We don't even know what food mm-hmm. tastes like anymore. Yeah, yep. Um, so sodium is definitely in the bullseye. Uh, already in New York City, they're um, identifying with icons menu items that have more than, I think it's 2,300 milligrams of sodium. 
So you were asking, Janine, what's coming up? Mm -hmm. I think one of the topics is definitely increased focus on sodium. Um, Another is increased transparency. You know, diners just want to know more about their food, where does it come from, and what's in it. Mm -hmm. So, And more and more, we're seeing more and more restaurant companies adopt initiatives like we're going to have use only cage-free chickens by, you know, in another three to five years right. and, and different initiatives like that. So um, to some degree, I mean, there is a, a slight backlash, like I don't want anybody telling me what to order. So if you give me the calories, I'm going to go out and order the biggest Sunday I can find. Mm. Um, <laughs> but, and but you're shooting yourself in the foot. I mean, really, I looked sure. at your website and I thought, you know, frequently when I travel, I don't have a lot of choices. If I knew ahead of time, I could make good choices. This is just information that you can use or not use. Very true. And that's really how, how we like to position it and, and present it. This is information, you know, for those times. And, and there, I'm sure there are meals that we all go out for that we want to celebrate and we don't want to think about that. Right. But if you're, you know, if you're one of those people who are eating out. Now, earlier, you know, I was saying the average is five times a week. Well, that means that some people don't eat out at all, whereas others may be eating out eight times a week. Right. Yeah. So, Erica, tell me, what is on the, um, in the horizon there for Healthy Dining Finder? What do you guys have coming up? I know most companies are working on something that's coming out in the future. What are you guys working on? Well, we're looking at some tools that will expand what we're doing now. You were asking about gluten before, uh, also vegan and vegetarian, uh, being able to give diners opportunities to really uh, figure out more easily which menu items meet all of their needs, uh, not only for uh, nutrition content, but if they're looking for gluten-free or maybe they're allergic to uh, nuts and shellfish, whatever, uh, and maybe they're choosing to be vegetarian. So, you know, how to combine all of those searches together into one. Well, Erica, you certainly gave us so much good information. After we spoke last week, I spent quite a bit of time on your website, and i got to tell you, I, I had a little uh, wave of encouragement, like maybe I could really get a little healthier than I already am and take off some of this weight I've been talking about for so long. So I want to tell our listeners that there is not an app for your website, and I don't want anyone to shy away from that because this is such a mobile-friendly website that you almost don't even need the app to use it. It's very, I do everything off my phone and I had no trouble navigating your site. So Great to hear. Yeah. So Erica, thank you so much for being on. I'm going to put all the links in the show notes. So when our our girl campers are out there traveling and they want to make a a pit stop, when you're traveling a lot, every day can't be a vacation and a special occasion. So you've got to make choices that are going to be good for you and save that splurge day for once a week or something really big. So I think your website really helps people to do that. Well, thank you so much, and it's been great to talk with you again, and and I hope this is helpful to all the girl campers out there, and we look forward to to hearing from them. Okay. Thank you so much, Erica. Happy trails. Thank you. You too. 
Well, that's our show for today. I'd like to thank my sponsors, Progressive Insurance and Little Guy Worldwide. Progressive wants you to know they have a travel tip for you. Before you head out on the open road, it's important to plan your route and pick reliable destinations to stay and visit. It's also nice to have alternate options available just in case. It's another way Progressive has you covered while you're out on the road. I'd also like to thank my guest, Erica Baum from HealthyDiningFinder.com. I enjoyed learning so much from your website, Erica, and I have been using it. I'd like to thank my producer, Stephanie Puglisi, who puts this together every week. Stephanie and her husband can be heard every Wednesday on Campground of the Week and every Friday on the RV Family Travel Atlas podcast. But this week, bonus of bonuses, Stephanie and Jeremy have produced four extra episodes for Progressive, and they can be heard on their regular lineup. So you just go to the your podcast feed and you will see a little 20 minute version of RVFTA with all the breaking news from the Hershey RV show, little trailers, big trailers, toy haulers, and more. So make sure you take advantage of those special episodes from Stephanie and Jeremy. We'll be back next week, everyone. Happy trails.